Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. I'm John Bodhortz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. An associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So uh, in in line with our... Uh, just uh, sharing with you our bounty of cultural uh, choices and likes and dislikes and all that uh, this week. We thought maybe we would talk about uh, the movies. Of course, it's hard to talk about the movies now because uh, this has been the worst year for movies in maybe ever. Uh, I was looking back, by the way, and uh, 2019, 20, 2020, 2019 was great. Uh, it was an amazingly good year for movies like Little Women and uh, uh, 1917. There were like almost everything that was nominated for Best Picture was actually creditable and decent. And uh, that, of course, hasn't been the case lately. And there's been a, just a, a desert of movie choices and things coming out that flopped at theaters and coming out on streaming and nobody wanted to watch them and all of that. So it's... Uh, the, the real question is have we have have, have we uh, crossed the Rubicon and motion pictures really are no longer the centerpiece of American popular culture and this is now shifted to streaming which also has its challenges streaming television but um just just doesn't have the same oomph hasn't for 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 years but really something something fundamental may have changed here um so it's a it's a downbeat time to talk about this but we have some things that we are liked or think are interesting to discuss some maybe from this year and some maybe from years past anyway abe why don't you uh why don't you kick it off well probably with some insanely obscure you would think that wouldn't you but, but i'm wrong uncharacteristically i have first off i have two recommendations and they are both current and not particularly obscure maybe one okay. slightly obscure okay. but not really um uh first off uh Banshees of Inisherin, uh, which is, I don't know if it's out now, but it's, it's, it's available down. on it's HBO on H- now. It's actually on HBO Max now. Okay. And so it's you can directed, watch it on HBO. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by Martin McDonough. Um, and it takes place uh, on an island uh, off the coast of Ireland in 1923, the tail end of the Irish Civil War. Uh, and it stars Colin Farrell and, and Brendan Gleeson. And they play a pair of best friends. Uh, one of whom, Brendan Gleeson, uh, simply decides that he doesn't like Colin Farrell anymore, the Colin Farrell character. Doesn't really give much reason. Says explicitly, you didn't do anything to me. You didn't say anything wrong. I just don't like you anymore. I don't want to be around you. And the whole movie is a sort of series of what unfolds uh, as Colin Farrell is trying to figure this out. And Brendan Gleeson's character tries to make it known um, in in some uh, quite violent and repulsive ways how serious he is about this. And it is a humorous, dark, very strange, sort of singular vision um, and sensibility and a meditation, I think, on civil war and on friendship and on kind of human folly and uh, digging in your heels um, and strange. Unlike it's, it's it's hard to compare it to anything else, I would say. Um, I recommend it. Shockingly beautiful uh, they filmed on various uh, uh, different Irish islands, actually, to to sort of bring together this one fictional place. Apparently, they built an entire pub 
at, at this site that they thought would be perfect for the pub in the movie uh, and it is um and uh, it's just great and i recommend it it is uh, a, yeah, yeah go ahead i was just gonna say it is a beautiful and remarkable and very odd movie so mcdonough you may uh the his previous movie He's made a couple of movies, but the most recent previous one was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, um, which uh, won Frances McDormand her second Oscar um, and Sam Rockwell an Oscar. And that's an extraordinary. And the thing about him also as a playwright, because that's where he made his bones as a playwright is nobody, including M. Night Shyamalan, nobody writes and makes things that take unexpected and dazzlingly shocking turns in very conventional domestic settings, right? This is a movie about a couple of people in a small town. They've all known each other for the, their whole lives. And it is the last place that you would expect to see the things that happen in this movie happen. And without, and I think you allude to this, without making any point about it, it is actually an allegory, um, and it, it it does not feel like an allegory because it's very specific. And allegories are usually very, you know, like what is it, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, the ultimate allegory. You know, these aren't real people or animal animal farm or something. But this is a movie about the Irish character and about the Irish civil there. The Irish civil war is going on across the water from this island and you hear explosions and stuff like that. And you realize at some point in the course of this, that this is about what on earth it is about the Irish character that leads people in Ireland to go to war against each other and to do so for centuries. Um, but he doesn't, but he, but it's not about war. It's about these two characters really. And the people that they, anyway, it's a, it's a remarkable piece of work. It, it does have a gory, aspect to it also unusually in an unusual Weirdly way gory. Yeah. yeah so um so you wanna if you are if you you find that really hard to take i mean it's not like horror movie gory exactly but it, i mean it is it's got this gory aspect to it and so i just want to caution people but it is on hbo max right now it's also in theaters um uh, i think it's possible that colin farrell will win the oscar uh, though I think right now people are assuming that Austin Butler, who played Elvis in the ex excruciating Elvis movie, is going to win the Oscar. But um, he is he is amazing, and Gleason is amazing, and an actress named Carrie Condon, who plays Farrell's sister, is amazing. An actor named uh, Barry Cogan, uh, who plays uh, a sort of mentally challenged kid around town, is pretty amazing. It's just it's a you've never seen anything like it. Go ahead, and your second, my second one. Sort of less to say about, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Actually saw it in the theater. Uh, Moon Age Daydream, the documentary about David Bowie, uh, done uh, directed by uh, Brett Morgan. Uh, very good. Quite long, unconventional documentary in that there's no narration. There doesn't exactly tell a story. It's sort of, um, to me, feels like Brett Morgan kind of picked up on a lot of what you see on, say, YouTube uh amateur documentaries made by fans uh where they just throw together all sorts of interesting footage um and tell a kind of visual story and i think it works uh 
extraordinarily well with Bowie, who's was always interesting to watch on in in himself. Uh, you don't need to add much, uh, and and because he was sort of ever changing and his approach was ever changing and his look was ever changing, um, the, the the story unfolds naturally, uh, organically as it sort of did in his life. Good, captivating. This is like a golden age for these pop music documentaries. It's sort of a piece with the fact that all the most successful touring acts now are like 250-year-old people who are literally, I saw Phil Collins and Genesis and con concert, and Phil Collins was, he was basically rolled out uh, in a wheelchair. He he has uh, muscular, pro muscular degenerative problems, and so he can't even drum, so he was like shaking a tambourine and could barely sing, but sold out like arenas and stadiums. So this, uh, you know, baby boomer nostalgia maw uh, is inexhaustible, but there have been some really great ones. Ron Howard made one about the Beatles' first tour called Eight Days a Week. And there's, of course, this Peter Jackson, which I didn't like, the Peter Jackson six-hour version of Let It Be, uh, Get Back, which I found excruciatingly boring, but other people loved it. But you guys see that? You watch Get It Back? Okay, so... It like it's it's like one of those things. Oh, it's so amazing! It's like, ugh. Um, but there've been a lot of lot of lot of good ones. I mean, ever. if it's gonna if you're gonna devote six hours to something Peter Jackson did, it better involve a Hobbit, right? I mean, there's like you. you well, not the Hobbit. You don't want to see. You don't want to see <laughs> well, any of those Hobbit movies. I have Sauron. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Christine, what do you have? Okay. Well, I'm I'm going much more, I guess, uh, popular culture. But the only movie I that really struck me and that I really enjoyed and and um, my kids enjoyed was the new Top Gun Maverick. I loved this movie. I I mean, part of it's uh, talk about nostalgia. So the first Top Gun came out in 1986. I was 13. I was in ninth grade. I remember vividly the excitement of all of us going to the movies as a group. A pack of us went and saw it. You know, probably opening weekend. In the movie theater where I later worked as a I, I got a job at that movie theater like the next year with a bunch of friends and we would we would get to see all the movies early. And so there was that was when I think the movie going experiences was so it was very social if you were a teenager, at least like growing up in the suburbs as I did. That was that was a big thing we all did together. And I had. I, I was very cynical about whether they would be able to pull off a remake. Not that Tom Cruise wouldn't be able to do all his own stunts because he seems to be, I don't know, guess made of Teflon or something. It's kind of extraordinary. His face kind of has that waxy look of something that might melt in five years. But so that was a little worrisome. Some of the close-ups. Um, I did not like the casting of Jennifer Connelly, although I do like her as an actress. I missed Kelly McGillis. Oh, I wish like she's great, no. but no, she was great. But I wanted, uh, there was something kind of, I didn't like that aspect of it. I love that they had the way they worked Val Kilmer into the story and that this idea that they'd actually kept a friendship going and Val Kilmer rose through the ranks while Maverick remained Maverick. Um, it, it was fun. You know, it was, a, it was a recapitulation of the same dynamics, but now he's the older guy advising the young gun. It was just, just fabulous movie watching, you know, the stunts and even the kind of nitpicking online that, that didn't exist when the first movie came out, but obviously does now the sort of, well, why wouldn't they just send a drone in to do this strike? Why did they have to do all these fancy maneuvers in a jet? I didn't care. I was like, you know what? Shut up. Just watch it. Enjoy it. It's pure adrenaline. It's a, it's a big summer movie. Um, my kids loved it. We went back and watched the original before we'd seen the new one. I was like, you've got to watch the original movie, uh, which which they liked, but they really loved the new one. So I just enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable movie going experience seen on the big screen. It, and for me, of course, as a Gen Xer, it reminded me of, you know, those great movies that we all had when we were when we were teenagers. So 
it's not a critical assessment like this is you know but I, I just enjoyed it it was an enjoyable experience i mean i think it's better than an enjoyable experience first of all i also went back and watched top gun with my with my son before we saw it or maybe i can't remember what it was before or after if you watch the original Top Gun, it's almost impossible to tell whether you're watching Top Gun or a parody of Top Gun. I know, it, but we didn't is... experience it that way the first time. No, <laughs> because because that volleyball scene is insane. <laughs> but it established all of these yes the tropes tropes yeah. mm -hmm. the 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 missing father the the blah blah you know the emotionally uh, closed Ice Man yeah, all, yeah, yeah all all sorts of stuff. <laughs> And uh, you know, and then the Z the Zucker brothers, uh, our friend David Zucker and his brother and 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 Jim Abrahams, then made a parody of it called right. Hot Shots. Hot Shots, right? With and, Charlie Sheen. And it is no, and is almost as I say, it's like hard to tell the difference. Yeah. Between Hot Shots and Top Gun, because Top Gun, the original, is so transparently ridiculous, and its sex scene <laughs> is ridiculous, and I know, but it's the, so and much the, fun. But. Top Gun Maverick is a legitimately good movie. Like it is a surprising, interesting, and Top Gun's a school movie. You know, it's about they're they're going to school, right? Flight school, yeah. And this is a war movie. Top Gun Maverick is a war movie. It is about plot, planning an actual mission. Right now, Top Gun ends with a mission, but planning a mission to destroy a nuclear facility in an enemy country that is not named. Yeah. And uh, and the stakes are really high, and the mission is almost impossible to achieve, and stuff that you don't expect happens. I thought Jennifer Connelly was fantastic, so I'm no, very... she's great. I just didn't like her in that role. Nice. Yeah, I loved her. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, I was sort of thinking because because you know there's this whole talk. It's the most popular movie of the year. Uh, you know, it made seven hundred million dollars at the domestic box office when nothing is making anything like that. People loved it. Went to see it again and again and again. And, uh, you know, sort of saved theatrical, as they a lot of people say. You know, it's like the movie that reminded people why they like movies. And it's uh, probably going to get nominated for an Oscar, like one of the nine nominees. And nobody thinks it's going to win. But then I thought, you know what? It should win. Um, and here's why it should win. It should win because it's the movie that everybody likes and that is brilliantly made and has something to say about aging and ambition mm -hmm. and the cost of ambition and and unexpectedly emotionally resonant in part the val kilmer stuff yeah. and other things so i was looking back because i was for some reason talking to my son last night about casablanca so he's 12 and of course hasn't seen casablanca and i was like you know we really have to watch casablanca he doesn't like to watch anything that i you know suggest that we should watch but uh Casablanca won Best Picture in 1943. Nobody who made it thought when they were making it that they were making one of the five greatest American movies. That wasn't its purpose. It was just a standard issue, kind of like colorful melodrama, you know, set in a bar and all of this. It's just the elements all came together in this extraordinary, unexpected way. It could have had Anne Sheridan and Ronald Reagan and ended up having Humphrey Bogart or Ingrid Bergman incredibly witty screenplay didn't have to be a witty screenplay you know could have been just a functional screenplay beautifully directed by michael curtiz anyway so the year that it was nominated for best picture 1943 the other nominees were for whom the bell tolls also with ingrid bergman heaven can wait which is a ernst lubish movie the human comedy which was a about a small town in which everybody goes off to war 
In Which We Serve, which was Noel Coward's kind of propaganda movie about World War II, Madame Curie with Greer Garson about Madame Curie, a really great movie, by the way, The More the Merrier, made by George Stevens, which is about the apartment shortage in Washington during World War II and how three people, a, a young woman, a young man, and an old industrialist all end up sharing a sort of room together in a rooming house in downtown Washington. It's fantastic. You should see it. It's one of the great, um, for some reason, so somewhat forgotten comedies. The Oxbow Incident, which is about a lynching. The Song of Bernadette, which is excruciating, and Watch on the Rhine, which is an adaptation of a vile uh, Lillian Hellman play. Anyway, Casablanca wins. Well, this year, Top Gun Maverick will be nominated. So will Tar. So will The Banshees of Sharon, which I really like. So will a bunch of other things. It should win. Like, it's a perfect piece of popular entertainment that is that elevates itself by the way it was made. And I don't know, maybe it will. I It's hard to say. You know, this is a movie people feel very passionately about, and it's in surprising ways. So I don't know. Let's take a break and hear from our friends at FIRE. Do you know only one in three Americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights? That's why FIRE is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all Americans no matter where you're from or what you believe. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people. FIRE will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights. Join the fight for free speech at www.thefire.org. Noah Rothman, what do you have to... All right, <clears throat> a soliloquy, because this has been a very you know, a high level cultural conversation and I'm going to crash it right into the mountain. Yay. So I don't see good movies anymore. I see kid movies and I see action movies with my kids and with my wife, respectively. Um, I used to get screeners and I would see all the good movies and I'm since no longer in the screener community. And so I don't see anything. So I can only evaluate what I've seen and they're kid movies and action movies. And the best of those in 2022 was Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. <laughs> no joke. And I understand. That's my nephew's right. favorite movie. I yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. They love that. that. This is, it's, it's good. I understand that this is an, an, only a nostalgia play aimed directly at me. People who were young pre-adolescents in the late 1980s, early 1990s. That describes me. And boy, did it hit every erogenous zone that I have when it comes to nostalgic movies and it was clever and it was my, you know, I, my kids somehow managed to enjoy it. I don't know how, how they got a single reference in that film. Cause it is again, aimed at people who are 35 plus, but nevertheless, it was, it was enjoyable. I recommend it. I'm also going to submit a bad movie that I saw this year, even though we're only talking about things we love, I'm going to bring in something I didn't like. And that's Batman. It's the a Batman. Per, the Batman, the Batman, whatever they call it. It is a reimagining of Batman for our age as a whiny, emo, manic depressive who you can't even imagine has even the, the barest capacity to defend himself, much less the city of Gotham. But he does. And it's 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 so it's not woke. That's the wrong word for it. But it is modern. And it describes it, it illustrates all the ways in which we celebrate psychological uh, depression and neurosis 
and make it into something that's admirable and unique and defines you as a human being. And it's all wrong. And this is an exact the exact wrong way to reimagine Batman. I'll take Ben Affleck's Batman Oof. over over this Batman. Over Robert George Pattinson? Clooney's Batman. Better you Batman. Are. Oof, you are. You are. You the are. Worst the worst of all the Batman. Clooney Batman it, is terrible. I, <laughs> I hated this movie. I'm so with you. I hated this movie. I was interested though because it follows the Joker, right? Joker, which came out three years ago, which was the reimagining of the of the Joker story uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, who won an Oscar for it. And what was interesting about Joker is that it is a complete ripoff, homage. We can call it an homage to two Martin Scorsese movies: Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. And it is literally Taxi Driver and the King Comedy with Joaquin Phoenix in the two parts that that Robert De Niro played in those Scorsese movies. And of course, most people, young people, haven't seen those movies and don't know about them and don't know what they're about and don't know how they work. Uh, De Niro actually plays the character in The Joker that uh, his character in King of Comedy kidnaps the Johnny Carson character that his car- character kidnaps in the King of Comedy in order to get himself a booking on the Tonight Show. It's an it's a pretty remarkable movie, The King of Comedy. I don't know where it is if you can find it. Uh, the Batman is a remake of Seven, David Fincher's serial killer movie from 1995. It looks like Seven. It's got this denatured color, like Seven. It's set in this, you know, city that is just awash in kind of moral depravity, like Seven. And there is an avenging angel serial killer, like Seven, played by Paul Dano, uh, who is the Riddler, I guess. I guess he's the Riddler. Um, and uh, and it is terrible. But it's interesting because it's like, I guess these things are now old enough that people can just kind of steal them and nobody says Maybe you should pay a royalty. Like, maybe you should. I don't know. This is like, uh, you're not allowed to steal somebody's plot and everything. Uh, but apparently you can. And you're right. It was terrible. And it made a lot of money, though. Which just goes to show that uh, people will see anything if it's a superhero thing. Um, Okay. Uh, let me just uh, take a break now and talk to you about Bowl and Branch. Look, holidays are over. Uh, Maybe you forgot to get something for a loved one. Maybe it's time for you to treat yourself after having treated so many other people. So after long days of decorating, hosting, and celebrating, and returning presents and all that, nothing feels better than a good night's sleep in buttery soft sheets and the signature hemmed sheet set from Bowling Branch made from the finest 100% cotton you'll ever feel for a luxurious experience you'll enjoy for years to come. That's what I'm offering you here, Okay with products that are made different so you can sleep better at night, free from toxins, pesticides, and harsh chemicals at every step of its making, made by artisans who earn the pay and respect they deserve, designs and colors for every bedroom style and mattress size, all season sheets that have an unmatched softness to start and get softer with every single wash. And best of all, Bowling Branch gives you a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all orders. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowling Branch bedding. Want to give a gift, by the way, the signature sheets come wrapped in Rebby in a beautiful holiday gift box for anything that you may have missed. 
For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code commentary at bolandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. Promo code commentary. So I we just to show that we're wildly spontaneous, and therefore I didn't know what anybody else was picking, I was going to do Top Gun Maverick. Ah, so, see, great minds. <laughs> so um uh but I I I think that um I want to make a pitch for a movie my son said to me what's the best movie that you know aside from the two godfather movies cuz he knows I think that those are the two best movies ever made aside from period uh and by the way Casablanca would be up there probably in the top 5 or 10 as would uh, best years of our lives and children of paradise which is a french movie from uh, actually made during the war, which is kind of amazing during World War II. But I just uh, want to give a shout out, uh, annual shout out somehow to Singing in the Rain, also available on HBO Max right now and other places. Uh, best movie musical ever made. Uh, one of the three or four most sheerly entertaining movies ever made. And just, um, it has a, a portion uh, for about 20, 25 minutes in the middle where you are just elevated into a state of kind of exhilaration and and uh, sort of wonder. Uh, number after number after number. Donald O'Connor doing uh, Make Him Laugh. Uh, Gene Kelly uh, doing Singing in the Rain. Gene Kelly... Debbie Reynolds and Donald O'Connor doing Good Morning and Kelly and O'Connor doing Moses Supposes. These four numbers that come one on top of the other with some interpolated scenes like how silent movies were being made. Hilarious scene where they're sort of O'Connor and Kelly are sort of walking through a studio where in one, you know, because of course everything is silent, so it doesn't matter what things sound like. And over here in one corner, they're making a Western. Over here, they're making a war movie. Over here, they're making a costume drama. Over here, they're making something else. Among the funniest movies ever made with this astoundingly great screenplay by Condon and Green. Um, anyway, like, if, if you need to see a movie during the holidays with your family and you haven't seen Singing in the Rain, you have to see Singing in the Rain. You don't have to. It's not an order. There's no, This is not homework. It's the opposite of homework. It's just sheer joy and, you know, you should have joy. You should have joy in your life. This is one way to have joy. Have some joy. So we have uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. And Noah, you should say, like, it, it hits your sweet spot because Chippendale Rescue Rangers is about taking a journey through late 80s cartoons and television. Yeah, Right. I mean, yeah. that's well, I mean, yeah, that's the nostalgia aspect of it. Right. And then the story is to reimagine the the show as a show and then the rebooting the show. Yeah. Which is kind of clever. It's clever. Yeah. But but you, you see a lot of your favorite <laughs> favorite characters from the worst period of, <laughs> of, 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 of animation and children's television. So it is. But it is really clever. Um, that's on Disney Plus, right? It must be on yeah. Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. It's Chippendale. OK. So Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, don't see the Batman, according to Noah. Top Gun Maverick from Christine and me. We have the Banshees of Inna Sharon and Moon Age Daydream. 
from Abe. So that's our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow. We're not even sure what we're going to talk about tomorrow. We'll figure it out. So for Abe, Christina, Noam, John Pod Hortz, keep the candle burning.